podcast that discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. Hey, Chris, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm apparently doing just like you would dress for a vacation. Look at us. Chris Ryan, Alex Simmons. Yeah, for those loving the summer fun over here. We got on our our flashy summer uh, short sleeve button up kind of, you know, print shirts with flower patterns and things or whatever that may mean. And that's just great because we look really cool and dapper and dashing. That's right. Hawaiian shirts, neither is anywhere near hawaii hawaii right so, or puerto rico oh anywhere else it's uh, tropical thank you very much that's but true you are in the wonderful wilds of new jersey i am I'm and in i'm a labyrinth the, i'm somewhere in in the forest of the bronx and so there you we're, go we're close and we're both if, if you're watching if you're listening to the podcast we're both surrounded by books <laughs> which is a writer's paradise we both have writer's tans which means we hear about the sun we may not have actually seen it. <laughs> Igor! Igor! <laughs> exactly. And uh, we're here to talk about our, uh, you know, writers and creatives version of Summer Fun, which is what's out, what's in the theater. It's a beautiful day. Let's go to the movies. Yeah, you let's know? go inside. Let's stay in the house and look at the plasma. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I am just coming, uh, getting over, getting over some sort of, you know, a little flu type thing, whatever it is. So if you if my Not voice COVID, a little right? bizarre, you know, as opposed to its normal dulcet tone like yeah. qualities, you'll understand. But anyway, yes, here we are. We're we're going to talk are. about definitely not watching movies out on the lawn, but here you are watching movies in some sort of enclosed structure, and the movies that have been watched, uh, both television and uh, in the silver screen, uh, have had some interesting developments. And uh, Chris and I were talking about this off camera and decide to do it on camera yeah you know it's all about storytelling and the results as it appears some new directions are being explored yeah well and and warning everybody that uh we may not actually agree with each other throughout this episode so yes yes i know you'll get you'll get to see that rare beast in america today cordial disagreement yeah wow yes nobody will call anybody else a communist about anyone's ancestry no none of that no we're good we're good so now you would we were raised right yeah okay (laughs) um go ahead sir well i was gonna say that this started with um a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago uh chris was 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 sort of um sharing his reaction to a, a recent Marvel release, Marvel Cinematic Universe released, with Doctor Strange and the multiverse, you know, and it was... The multitude of madness, the multiverse yeah, right, of madness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Chris was not happy with it. He was, he, was, he was very displeased, very disappointed. As a matter of fact, if I remember, it was a family trip, and no one came out of there applauding. Yeah, it was, it was a shocking experience. as the first time it's ever happened you know i mean this is 11 or 12 years into the marvel cinematic universe and uh we all sit in and we do a pre-movie ritual you know like 42 trailers in you know when it's getting close then we look at each other and i said okay everybody breathe in breathe out lower the bar lower the bar 
so that we can, you know, enjoy it because I'm, we're not the hypercritical types and we always want to be cautious that we don't expect panel for and, panel accuracy, right? Yeah. Well, no, in the panel for panel accuracy, no, you know, this is your story. You know, it's the Stephen King idea that he always says, if you sell your story, remember that you the printed one that's your story and this yeah. is their version of it that's and right relax and see that's what they do with adaptation it. yeah and and the same thing is going on with the marvel cinematic universe you know there's going on 80 years of comics there and 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 people are making their um their interpretations even with disney as, as well so um it wasn't the it wasn't the interpretation that bothered us and it was myself, uh, my wife, Glorious. I'm not allowed to call her the other name anymore, but she allows okay. me to call her Glorious. Um, and one of our sons, your godson, Tyler. And we all came out with the same thing. And in a nutshell, the thing that bothered us is that directorial style kept insisting on intention over story. And you know, anyone who's watched more than one episode of Tell the Damn Story, you know that we prayed to the, at the altar of serve the story. And my personal problem, and if you enjoyed Doctor Strange and, you know, the multitude of self-references, then God bless you, you know, and, and don't crucify me. <laughs> but... <laughs> The thing that kept I kept bumping into is this was the Sam Raimi of it all. You know, um, there are so many references to the hallmarks or his greatest hits, the zombie stuff, the comedic moments, Bruce Campbell, who I adore showing up and being so Bruce Campbell, you know, and it was such a bit that it threw you out of the story again and again and again. Even Doctor Strange himself was more flippant than usual. Um, and he brought on Danny Elfman as the, the music guy and both Sam's directorial choices and Danny's music. Again, I respect both of them immensely, but they made the film feel older than Iron Man, the first MCU. You know, it felt like the 90s. It felt like early in Raimi's career uh, and at the more bombastic um, era of Danny Elfman's career, you know, um, the Pee Wee Herman, the um, Beetlejuice, the early stuff, even Spider-Man, you know, those kind of soundtracks um, where movie making uh, has evolved past those choices. The, um, the, the storytelling choices that Raimi did screamed Sam Raimi. They didn't scream Marvel. And that was our problem. We kept, it kept knocking us out. And, and then the bigger sin for us, and this is, this is where I tread close to that dangerous territory of, you know, the purist. I'm not a purist at all. However, I'd make this argument, uh, spoilers. Uh, they introduce an Illuminati. Uh, I say N because, hey, multiverse, you know. Um, and the Illuminati in the comics were also, they're a secret society here. They're very, they're, they're like the Justice League Hall of Justice. They actually have a hall. Uh, 
yeah. you know, but they don't do justice to the characters. You know, uh, they introduce Mr. Fantastic. You, 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 this has all been spoiled for a month now, at least. So we're not spoiling anything. As the uh, smartest man in the, in the world or in the universe. And then he tells important information to the bad person that allows her to win. How smart is that? <laughs> okay. They also introduce Black Bolt, Professor X, um, not quite Captain Britain, but um, uh, the the one Carter as as Captain yeah Carter. Uh, Captain Carter right uh, yeah. and Haley Atwell can I mean, she can do anything she wants and I'm going to be just enthralled because she's she's just such a charming and gifted actress God bless her and um, Doctor Strange's nemesis who is now the the mist, master of the Mystic Arts. Um, Bord, Mordo. Baron Mordo. Uh, yeah, Mordo. I think he's yeah. just called Mordo in the MCU. And then, um, oh, and a, an alternate version of Captain Marvel. Yep. Um, and then the Scarlet Witch kills them within five minutes. And it doesn't make a difference to the outcome of the movie. It's not a sacrifice made to save something. It's here's these all these characters and here's some of this fan service. And we're going to fly in the face of the reputation of each of these characters. The death of uh, Black Bolt was both inaccurate to that character's powers and insulting. This is the second time Black Bolt has been used poorly in a Marvel uh, uh, production. Um, Captain Carter was wonderful in What If, and people were hoping to see her in live action, and she gets bisected. What? What the hell? And even Captain Marvel. I mean, these are supposed to be the Illuminati, right? The the people who will do anything to save the universe, and they attack separately. And they give the opponent. That's, that's the Bruce Lee battle scenes, you know. <laughs> Everyone, one at a time, one at a but, time. And I would have, I would have, you know what? I would have even been okay with them all being life model decoys, and they were testing Wanda. But clearly, it was just to have more characters in there, and I think it squanders both the audience's time these wonderful characters and opportunities that okay so what are you doing yeah you know? I, I have to say is i don't know that when i saw it which i i didn't uh go to see it in the theaters i saw it on television or on the, the smaller screen yeah once disney uh was showing it for a while yeah. yeah and and i don't know if i had i was in a different frame of mind i don't know if i had no expectations or anything along those lines. I don't know. I watched it, and whereas I can understand why the family reaction was what it was on, on, on your part, I came away going, oh, okay. And that was exactly my reaction. Which but only okay. Means, which means that it didn't do anything other than fill in a couple of hours. Right. And... I remember thinking about that later, like, okay, what was it like when I came out of seeing uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, or 
uh, mm -hmm. Civil War or mm -hmm. uh, the Black Panther, where I came out like juice, charged, excited, right. that sort of thing. Um, and even Endgame, which I still think is was just a great film, um, I came out of that with at least two favorite scenes right. that I replay in my head constantly. Do you have any from Doctor Strange that you replay in your head? Not, not a single one. Right. Not a single one. And I don't want to. Do I don't want to tip our hand yet. Yeah. Well, go ahead. There are two other films in this phase in which we have the same experience. The Eternals, a perhaps the most gorgeously shot Marvel movie ever. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. And the characters are mildly interesting. I don't want to be the hot take guy, but... Okay, well, then let me finish my statement. Which oh, was, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I know. Yeah, sure you are. We'll, we'll talk about this after the show, you know. Uh, but but the reality for, for me was I came away, you know, watching it. And I watched it with, with my daughter and her boyfriend. And... Um, Oh, and, and my son. So it was my daughter, my boyfriend, my, my my daughter, her boyfriend, and my son. And we watched it. And there was a lot of interactive chattering among them as they watched it. And, and I just sort of stayed focused on the screen predominantly. And I remember thinking, you know, like, oh, that's 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 an amusing bit. Okay, that happened. This uh, so I was not lifted up to a uh, an exhilarating experience with this. I was not supercharged. And, and I would admit there were a couple of times where I went, hmm, okay. Hmm. I will definitely say that the Illuminati sequence fell flat with me mm -hmm. primarily because I didn't really understand why it was necessary. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was like, what purpose did that serve other than, as you just said, more characters? And fan service, yeah. Right. Well, you know, and again, um, you know, Mr. Fantastic, okay, I, and I'm not going to go into great details, but what happened to him and how he was dealt with, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I wonder why several other people haven't done that to him. You know, mm -hmm. there's one. Um, the the sort of, sort of throwaway way that these characters perished did feel like filler time. Mm. And and I can go back to Sam Raimi references too. I mean, we can go all the way back to Xena and Hercules. If we want right. and the Evil right. Dead is in there, yeah. Or the pilot episode for um, Mantis, because mm -hmm. the TV series became something else. But the pilot episode had you know had its mark, and that was exciting. Carl Lumley was the lead in that, and you know I was very excited at that time for a black hero in in this kind of situation. Uh, so I think Raimi definitely has his fingerprints and, and, and has carved his, 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 his place in this progress of superheroes becoming more legitimate as film uh, content uh, over the years. I didn't see it as him paying homage to himself throughout, but I did feel like the film was, okay, all right, that was, that was the yeah. time it spent. And, and the one thing I would say in finishing this remark is, if it wasn't, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange, I don't know that I could have made it through the film. And that is not um, the product that Marvel has been offering us, you know? Um, well, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, the only thing I would say to that or add to that would be 
it's it's similar to can can anybody other than Robert Downey Jr. play Iron Man? You know, it, it's it's like we've identified certain people to that character. Yes, a, another actor can play it. Another right. good actor, a great actor, can definitely play the hell out of it. It'll be different. It's just right. like Sherlock. You know, Cumberbatch is not Rathbone, who is not Moore, who is not blah blah blah. But I think that Cumberbatch's qualities as an actor, his presence, his commanding presence, his style, I think held my attention through a lot of the scenes where otherwise I might have lost interest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's great that, you know, they have casted well, but I don't know if they provided material uh, that is up to the quality of uh, Cumberbatch or um, uh, Will uh, Olsen, who plays mm-hmm. uh, uh, Scarlet Witch. They are, they did a lot with what they had, and ultimately, and uh, uh, the, the the young actress who plays um, America Chavez also has some nice chops, um, and ultimately that moment at the end of the film where uh, the Scarlet Witch sees what she's done, uh, instead of gaining children, she has scared the bejesus out of them and driven them away. And there's a wonderful moment between Olsen and Olsen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's, you know, even the, those kids, it's the worst performance we've ever seen by those kids. And uh, and ultimately, it's the director's job to pull those uh, performances out. However, our theory holds up that it was more the director's stamp in that movie than it was Marvel Universe. Mm. Same thing happened with The Eternals. Beautifully shot film. Very much in the vein of what that director is known for but there was a disrespectful turn for icarus that i don't think he deserved and i thought it was just a kind of a lazy way out and i'm sorry it you know um again i don't want to be the hater but i had so wanted to love that uh, that movie and i again what a risk it was because it wasn't the biggest seller in the marvel pantheon um, and I think here's the maybe lukewarm take here that's probably been said before. I think the Eternals would have been better served as a Disney plus show where there is eight or 10 episodes where we can get to know the different characters and the stakes and all that stuff. I don't know that you get that cast doing that. I don't know that they sign on. I don't know that you get that director. You know, which mm-hmm. that's a problem. Now, I want to go to Thor, Love and Thunder. Number three. Yes. Also Marvel Cinematic Universe. And while it's not Ragnarok, there's a lot to enjoy in this movie. It is, in fact, though. Well, in fact, in my opinion, maybe not in fact, but in, it is actually eight movies. Um it is, and I have for you. Um, you, you. You wrote up the list of reference I, films. I do have the eight movies. Um, okay, here we go, folks. 
And this is all about, I know if you're saying, well, is this a review show? It's, no, it's a not. review show in that we are talking about serving the story and, and when it works and when it doesn't. And so here we go. All right. So we're going to, uh, here we go. All right. So here we go. Um, Love and Th Thunder. These are the eight movies that I saw in this movie. The Desert Planet Tra Tragedy. The Guardians of the Failed Comedy. Uh, Gore the God Butcher. The Mighty Thor. Romancing the Stormbringer. Pranking the Gods, starring Zeus. Thor Kids Brigade. And then Love and Thunder, which was really just a sequence to give... Uh, the Young Avengers, a Thor-like character. Um, and here's the thing that kept not, you know, there was, there was, so who was it? Um, I guess it's Mark Bernardin from uh, Fat Man Beyond said, you know, the thing about Ragnarok was that it was a funny movie and Thor wasn't in on the joke. But in this movie, Thor's trying to be funny and Natalie Portman's trying to be funny. And while uh, Hemsworth is really funny in Thor, he's funnier as, as you know, oblivious by, by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Natalie is a very, very gifted actress, not necessarily comedic, you know. And the thing that bugs bugs me about this is that it's there's just so many Taiki. Taika Watiti stamps on there that again, like Raimi, they get in the way and they knock you out of the story. So, I'm sorry, excuse me, stories. And I'm not sure if you've read um, Jason Aaron's work and his run on Thor, but he did Gore the God Butcher. And you would love that story. It's a murder mystery. Thor is chasing a serial killer mm -hmm. and only, you know, midway through the journey or so does he find the name of Gore, the God, God butcher. And he goes to, you know, like the astral library to find clues. It looks like the, your background, if you're watching on YouTube. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and there is there, just, just two aisles over. Right? There you go. And we see Gore and we see his power because they cut between the two stories and he's hunting down gods and killing gods. And every time that happens in the Jason Aaron story, the danger to Thor rises and intensifies. In Love and Thunder, spoilers, jump off if, you know, it's still early enough. Um, we see one god butchered. And we see a couple others on screen, uh, the Guardians uh, uh, alert screen. And then we see um, the behemoth already dead, which we saw. I mean, it's framed for, for that one's panel for panel re recreation uh, and beautiful. The artwork and, and the Jason Allen run, I forget the artist's name, but it is breathtaking. So it could have been its own movie. The Mighty Thor, Jane's story is another arc that Jason Aaron did. And it could have been another beautiful story. Both of those suffer being squished together and then suffer more because Stormbringer decides it's going to make its comic comedy debut and, you know, create a love triangle between 
Thor and Molnir and Stormbringer. I, I think I'm going to uh, just jump in here for a quick second and say Jason, Aaron, and Assad Ribic. Yes, yes. E-S-A-D is the first name, and then mm -hmm. R-I-B-I-C is the second name. Yeah. It's yeah. Ribic. And if I'm mispronouncing that, please forgive. Right. And what Taika does in mixing these two and the other stories combined, it's enjoyable to watch, but it's hard to love. Hmm. And it's making a ton of money. So who the hell, who the hell am I, right? But this leads us to your godson's uh, thesis, uh, ironic thesis, which I think is the most worth noteworthy thing here. Now, there's two things. One, the Disney stories, the Disney shows, Marvel shows. Mm-hmm are better stories than we're seeing on screen now. But we can talk about the idea of retraining the viewer's mind after this. Here's what your godson said. He says, you know, the, the irony is that if we put the shows aside and just look at the phase form, there, there's some of the art. Let's take a moment and look at that art. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not one to say that... Um, Bales had to have that nose. No, Bales was great, but we it was left us waiting, wanting to see more. Mm -hmm. But this kind of stuff, you know, look how gorgeous and how mythic. That's the feel of that story. Yeah, you know, absolutely gorgeous. And he, the art is similarly beautiful in the Mighty Thor arc. You know, and, and you know the the one thing I'll say about this illustration, which is quite impressive in a number of ways is that Thor is extremely vulnerable in this one shot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Extremely vulnerable in the best case scenario. It just doesn't look like he's going to come out too well. Anyway, this goes. So that yeah. does that illustration in and of itself builds up a great deal of tension and makes you think, Hey, there's, there's some real danger here. Our boy may not, survive this yes and then and one of the great things about the composition is you can you can have that discussion well his forearm is going to push core away and his hammer is going to come out in time but the way you're looking at it, it looks like his entire torso is uh, exposed to that necro sword there yeah how's that sound yeah. um so yeah it's to be able to create that kind of mythic tension and to build a great mystery. He wrote a great mystery. And in the Mighty Thor uh, arc, he wrote a great tragic love story. Mm. And both of those are touched on by Taika. And before we get to your godson's uh, a statement, Theory. let yeah. me just add that all respect to Taika. But those are two classic MCU movies that we will now never see because they've burned through both those stories and the other stories they added in. And I wonder why. I wonder why they feel the need to do all that, you know? Um, 
there, there was so much that could have been done, but it is what it is. Now, here's the, here's the hot take. My, uh, my son, your godson said, he says, the irony, uh, Disney shows aside, the irony is the best phase four Marvel movie. The one that's going to be remembered is Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. which Sony gets credit for. It is the movie that thrilled us most, that made us want to go back for multiple viewings, that had us talking excitedly on the way out and dissecting and just going back to as an enjoyable uh, experience again and again. And it's kind of launched phase four in a way where, oh, wow, this is going to be exciting, you know? And then after that, between that and uh, Doctor Strange, we got Loki. We got WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki, and all of them took chances. Like, Wanda took chances, but delivered that Marvel-esque drama. The, the last two, three episodes are rewatchable, very enjoyable. That last episode is... I think I've watched it multiple times. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is so binge worthy. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a great pot boiler. It has that feel um, similar to Civil War, similar to um, Winter Soldier. It kind of, you know, and it deals with uh, race in America in a way that they've only just begun. And they left us looking forward towards the fourth Captain America movie which will star uh, um, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson's uh, Captain America. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Fingers crossed. So fingers crossed. There's always fingers crossed, but that's probably going to be a phase five at this point. I don't know how much longer phase four is happening. Um, Loki set us up for this multiverse and it was breaking and it was all that stuff. I was like, wow, what a setup for Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness no reference and that multiverse seemed very different than the loki multiverse that they were talking about yeah and yeah. after after well, even, landing even with kang game even avengers endgame i think it yeah even that dealt with multiverses and timelines and all of that and again had a different feeling to it than what we saw in Doctor Strange and i i do feel some ways like the Doctor Strange movie really was meant not maybe with Feige's blessings or intentions, I don't know. But it it does feel like it's sort of like, went, well, let's kind of make this a pseudo standalone. Well, I mean, but they've proven that they can do that and still add to the tapestry. They did that for 10 years. Mm-hmm. One of the big shots of uh, against phase four is that there doesn't feel, there doesn't seem to be a weave anymore. There doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, all disparate parts. And I well, went back. Similar to what was happening between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the X-Men movies. Um, I felt like those were really separate entities. And I even went back to phase one to look. Maybe that was more disparate than we remember. But no, there was a post or mid credit scene on each movie that 
that really did that thing that Marvel was so known for, like the last panels of an episode pushing you forward. And we are very disparate here. Um, well, you know, I will. How did you? How did you mean the X Men movies? Let's see what you meant. Well, there. I mean, again, Patrick Patrick um, Stewart as as Professor Xavier, great. Yes. Uh, Hugh Jackman, when he was first cast as Logan, there was a lot of like pushback because he's he's tall and he's he's quote unquote handsome, and Logan is part of Logan's shtick was that he was short and didn't quite fit in. He wasn't puck from Alpha Flight, wasn't quite dealing with that, but he still wasn't um, a handsome man, blah, 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 blah. But hey, Jackman suddenly became the personification of the screen version of Logan. And I think that those two actors traveled well with the X-Men series as the adult stories continued, but they also did the the first class and Mm -hmm. that felt different then um, the the one where Gene becomes the Phoenix. And it's like, right. well, where are we going with this? So the feedback is, can you make, can you make an adaptation? Can you take 30 years of, of story, mm-hmm. uh, written story, illustrated story in this case, as opposed to novels? Can you take the, the strong written word and, and strong visual imagery that people had grown up on and fed intravenously for, for, for several decades. Can you take that and translate that into a film experience in a one shot or two shot, or even a, a, a triple sequel kind of scenario and, and get it right each time? And I think that with the X-Men films, there was a feeling of, of every now and then it felt like, okay, let's try this with them because the first one didn't, or here's a new director and he or she's gonna put their take on this. And so I, I didn't feel like there was a, a lot of cohesion right. between the various X-Men movies. Right. And then compared to what Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing, because again, they're they're Marvel characters. Right. But they weren't handled by right. Foggy. They, that was the big thing. Was right. like they were handled by Hollywood corporate, which is the problem with DC movies. You know, Warner Brothers always puts its thumbprint in and, well, I'm going to do, we're going to put nipples on the bad suit. Why? It's got nothing to, and it knocks you out of the story. Same thing with X Men. There was a, let's do the Phoenix story again. No, wait, let's do it again. And yeah, yeah. And there is such a strength in the material and in trusting the material, you know, at, but the animated series was so much better at, being um respectful or being well, and being could, able to create from the source material one could say the same thing about batman the animated series you know about but then batman. they went and created their own stories that were equal to or better yeah. than adam well, batman the animated series is on a level to itself right. man. oh but my that's, god that's that's the the bruce tim and the and the team and Dwayne mcduffie and all those people respecting the source material having an affection for mm-hmm. the source material and then serving the story, not only the, the original premise that they were working from, but also serving the new stories that they were telling that were springboarding off of what had been established. Yeah. And I think, I think that's part of, of what we're talking about here is at what point do you squash your ego for the sake of making sure that the story sings, that the mm-hmm. voice of the story 
is the best it can be. That the 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 experience with the characters is a hundred and ten percent, and and not a constant wink to your skill set or your thumbprint. And yeah. I think that's that's a big piece of it because I can understand fumbling around. I totally get that. I totally get you know not everything works. Not everything works. And that's I mean look at the Punisher movies. How many Punisher movies did they do before they did the the TV series, which that seems worked. to be at this point the favored version. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, right? Okay. So and there was two things that did that. One, uh, they they respected the source material and built upon uh, um, PTSD, and they built upon his service and coming back disaffected by the corruption, and then gave him a reason to kill, you know, which, again lets him walk that fine line. And then the, the stroke of genius was hiring John Barenthal. I mean, his performance in that elevates that already strong material. And and what it also does is, and, and again, I think maybe this is, this again, I'm talking about Barenthal, Cumberbatch, um, Chris Evans, mm -hmm. uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, the young woman who plays uh, Sergeant Carter, um, Ellie Atwell. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And 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 Mackie. But Mackie, I'm yeah. going to roll those names out in in the order of because I feel like one of the things that that really is is bringing to life or bringing life to two dimensional characters, meaning mm -hmm. characters that are on a page. Yeah. Suddenly bringing bring an authenticity to that walking, breathing entity on that screen as and opposed to just saying lines yeah just wearing the costume and you know, and you know there's poses you know there's there's a, maybe a um a trio of other actors who were given characters that were not going to get the shine i mean mackie's a great example of that and then i'll give you three others where you know it's captain america and the falcon and he does what we loved so much in the comic of the same name is the pureness of Sam Wilson puts him shoulder to shoulder with this legend, right? Captain America. And, you know, he's not a guy with superpowers. He's a guy with a pure heart, you know, and I think there's something else, too. Because I, I go back to the, the famous, you know, again, from the first Captain America movie, the famous scene in the alley where he's getting stomped. Right. He says, I can do this all day. Right. You know, it's it's not so much, yeah, I can take a beating. It's that I believe in something and I'm willing, right. I'm willing to keep trying to get up to defend it. I'm willing to keep coming against opposing. And there was the secret between both of those characters. Opposing forces. And 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 actually possibly not succeed, not win. I will go down and possibly permanently, but I'm going to keep trying to get up. And I feel Sam ex sort of exudes that same mm -hmm. genuineness. Yeah. You know, I am who I am, and I'm going to do my damnedest to defend what it is I feel I must be defended. And that that proves out not only in the movies but also in the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and mm -hmm. even how he deals with the um the quote-unquote terrorist character right how he confronts her because he understands where she's mm -hmm. coming from right 
and the whole conflict of wearing the uniform and what, what am I fighting for? I'm fighting for something that is important to me. It's not about the flag waving. Right. All right. And, and that's, I think he and Steve met on the same ground because yes. I see the same, I can see the same character standing there when Steve dialogues with, um, uh, just as I said, a, a fury on the, about the carriers, mm-hmm. about, you know, putting carriers with armament aimed at earth all for freedom. That's not freedom. That's fear. That's yeah. fear. Right. You know, and so Steve and, Steve and, and Sam understand a similar truth. Right. And, and I think the actors got that. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and, and you ha- I, I wanted to give, uh, um, shine a little light on Anthony Mackey's ability to bring that across right through Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it brings us to the first of the three that I want to mention, Sebastian Stan, who gets to be what a, a fascinating arc. And he uh, he underplays it the entire time from um, Steve Rogers, stronger friend. To having to deal with his friend completely transforming into Captain America and the friendship survives. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said he loses his life as far as we know serving and fighting right alongside his best buddy and then coming back as this killer that is used strategically through time and can't recognize his friend and it's the friendship and it's the line i'm with you to the end of the line that eventually helps crack through that and then he's on this redemption arc you know whether he has control of his brain he's the complete foil or opposite of Captain America and Falcon who have a purity of soul and, and a sureness of mind. Bucky had, had their values and they were corrupted. They were corrupted and um, he was abused and he has to figure out who he is and how he can be. And, you know, it's a delicious element to Falcon and the winter soldier where they're not the friends that, Captain America the Falcon were, or that Bucky and Cap were. And there, there's this ghost between them. Yeah. That keeps them together. And, and as they grow closer, you know, to the end. So that performance, so not, a, again, not a, we, a star performance, but that right. performance is amazing. So are we saying then that, again, just bringing this around? Wait, again, give, me, with... give me a minute for two others, and then we're going to bring it around. Okay, so a minute for because we're also All right. watching here. Go ahead. The Vision, uh, I forget the actor's name who did The Vision, um, but being able to portray the stillness and the logic of The Vision, who never gets, I mean, he never acts out of anger. And to, to have that in a slam bang universe is a difficult thing. And to become from Jarvis the voice to The Vision, is fascinating. And then Paul to allow Bettany. him. Bettany. Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul, yeah. Yes. And his performance, while not, you'll never see him star in the Vision movie, right? Mm. But again, the casting has been amazing and the use of it and the allowance to be purely that character. And the last of the three is Jeremy Renner. The Hawkeye character oh, yeah. has been abused and abused. But if you look at his through line, 
he has been a different version of Hawkeye than the 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 bumble fart that he often was in the comics um, or the sexist clown that he's often in the comics and his world weary service to the cause you know and this is my job and the way he dealt with guiding through quietly guiding through the different members of the avengers and then in the series kate bishop again there's a strength in that performance and that all weaves together. And we have those in phase four. We have strong actors doing strong performances. America Chavez is, is great. Kate Bishop's character uh, actress is great. Um, all of the various Spider-Men were fantastic in their stuff. Uh, the members of the Eternals, when they got moments, they delivered, you know? And Thor, Love and Thunder, is a really enjoyable movie, to quote Mark Bernardin. I really enjoyed watching the movie that I didn't quite like. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, I don't know if I want Phase 4 to end with the Sony movie being the best of the lot. And that, that's hopefully bringing it around to the corner. Um, Another shot was that Thorn Love and Thunder was so short for being so many movies. You, you know? know what we didn't mention? <laughs> you know what we didn't mention, and and we don't need to go into detail, but we didn't mention is also Shang Chi. Well, Shang Chi is like is is probably the best of the MCU movies, but it has that Zack Snyder third act where all right, everything's got to be big and explosive and all that sort of stuff, which is not some. I mean, when it was done in Endgame. And when it was done in um, the Infinity uh, War, it was to a dramatic purpose. Each one was to a really successful dramatic purpose. Um, Shang-Chi's, while successful, I think the, the first and second act of Shang-Chi hang uh, uh, stronger than all the... I mean, you're, you're so reliant on special effects in that third act um that Shang Shang Chi becomes almost secondary in that which is you know and then there's another tag in there that that gives a hint to something that I don't think will pay off in in phase 4 I hope so but you know when various members of the Avengers talk to him and Wong you know okay what well, where are we going with that what's happening yeah so, so once again, where, where do you where do you see this all? Because I mean, we we talked about the core of this conversation, which right. you know bounced all through the Marvel universe, right. uh, Sony or otherwise, um, was about serving the story. Right. And, and, and it, if we say, if we were to ask the question, which ones serve the story best of the ones we've talked about? Well, okay. I would cheat on my answer. Oh, would you? Okay. Yes, the best MCU service to story are the Disney Plus series. And it's an unfair comparison because even if you have six episodes, that's almost six hours of storytelling and screen time as opposed to two up to three hours. So you have twice the time. And I'm wondering if Marvel's feeling the heat of that because they're, they're making the mistake 
of overcompensating with more story, you know, in Multitude of Madness and in Love and Thunder, where the shows are focusing on one. Even, you know, the most latest uh, Ms. Marvel is a simple, beautiful story. It's a very youthful comic and the youthful energy is there, but they managed to do something Ah, there you are. That's uh, America Chavez there. Yep, yep. That's, and, and and by the way, Phase Four is also going to be known as the um, Wong Cinematic Universe because he yeah. shows up in more movies than anybody else. And yeah. I wonder if that maybe he's doing something that we don't realize, and that it'll all bring together and make us. It would be nice. These it would different... be nice, especially if if we go in any other direction. Here's a Ms. Marvel. As Ms. Marvel now, Ms. Marvel, she. As, as, you know, people have been, ah, I don't know, and they, they maybe not have gotten the numbers as the other ones. Her show is going to be remembered for doing something that hasn't been done since HBO's Watchmen. HBO's Watchmen outdid history books, American history books, by showing us the horror of Tulsa and what happened. Mm. And so many people, students, teachers, didn't actually know about Tulsa. Yeah. You know, uh, across the diversity board, my students didn't know about Tulsa and it gave us a great opportunity. To I learn found together. out about it years before, but mainly right. because I was researching my Blackjack series. Right, right. You know, well, now in Ms. Marvel, in this very young coming of age comedy, you know, it's almost a, um, was it, um, Home Alone. Who's the guy who did all those movies? Oh, Six, um, 16. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking John about. Hughes, John Hughes. Almost that kind of feel. Yeah. Almost. Um, and through the charm of the lead character. God bless her. But all of a sudden, we got to learn about uh, Indian partition. And uh, the partition is it's as harrowing as Tulsa. And so few people in the world knew about it. You know, Mm -hmm. um again it's to have a cultural impact on that you know and then to follow it up teaser if you didn't i'm not going to spoil i'm going to tease it if you didn't see the mid-credit or post-credit that you know um uh well the the ending let's just say ending episode there is a word used and a little bit of uh theme song that is probably the most exciting promise made in phase four. And I'll just say that you were bring you were talking about what it hints at earlier in the show. Um, so yeah, you know, that's what I would say is what's been the most successful. And it's it's the, the Disney show. shows. And if I had to stick with the movies, I think I agree with your godson and my son that it's uh it's Spider-Man No Way Home. That is the most memorable of the sh of the movies so far. Um, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder one thing in particular, and it's kind of interesting, and I'm just thinking of this now, which is either good or bad on my part. With Spider-Man No Way Home, with Captain America, with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and, and, and with WandaVision, all of these characters 
were vulnerable in ways that one could relate to on a very human level. Yeah. Right. I don't well, that, I can't say the same for Doctor Strange. Right. The TV shows have a theme that is shared throughout. They're all in mourning. Every show has a major character who is mourning loss. Well, yeah, but even in the movies, even in the movies, you know, there's there's something at stake. There's some fragility or vulnerability that the characters are dealing with. And Strange's most vulnerable time was in that first film. Yes. And and now it's almost I mean, in this second film, and, and I'm just thinking about this now, which is kind of bizarre. I never really once felt that he was in jeopardy. True. Um, his heart was tested when he had to go to the wedding of the, his love. Yeah. And I think that heartbreak and that loss of love is what helped bond him to America Chavez when he saw that she accidentally sent her two moms um, into yeah, some, some other place, right? It's Stranger's powers and I think more his assholery um, that pushed his love away. And it was America Chavez not being able to control or deal power. properly yeah. with the powers, not understanding. And and I would think you can make the argument that Strange didn't understand that his surgical gifts didn't make him better than anybody else. You know, the ancient one says to him in that movie, you know, the, learn, the lesson you have to learn is that it's not about you. That's not meant just for Stephen Strange. It's meant for all of us. Mm -hmm. And he, we see him. One of the strands that could have really made that movie work was that he was you see him in little bits working through that and recognizing that in America and eventually recognizing it in Wong and finally bowing to him you know and uh one you know the acknowledgement it is played for a joke until it's not you know mm -hmm. and it's those little things that almost despite themselves give some value and some heft to a movie that is largely you know sam raimi's greatest hits which has nothing to do with MCU. And again, I think Feige might have worked for Sam early in his career, you know, and that's no reason to hire somebody or hey. to give him free reign, but God bless him. Maybe whatever they have whatever a, the deal was, that maybe that they have a gone. Yeah, it, it and we move forward. Eager maybe there's a master plan that go. I don't see. Huh? Yeah, eager to see where things are gonna go, whether it's the remaining shots of, of phase four. Or are we now going to transport into phase five and, okay. and where that's going to take us? But well, that's, that's, a, we'll that's a timely thing for you to say, because next week, I think, is San Diego Comic-Con and Marvel's going to be there and they're winking that there's going to be some announcements. So we might see a little bit of Wakanda Forever or this and that. Maybe we get a hint of where this is all going. And then they're going to do DC or Disney, whatever that thing is they do down in Florida, more release, I, whatever. Yeah. Um, so but we might way. start getting hints. We might. But so and far, it's been a mixed bag. Yeah. So I hope you guys got something out of this. Uh, it was <laughs> it was the, the, the old codgers, you know, talking about 
And again, you know, serving the stories, whether you agree with us or not, and we would love to hear one way or the other, mm -hmm. but whether you agree with us or not, serving the story is the goal of, of any good writer. I mean, right. it, especially when you're dealing with your characterizations and you know, you don't want to just hear your voice as a writer. You want to hear your characters speak their their truth and their authenticity. And that's what hooks your audience. That's, that's what makes your characters compelling and engaging and, and move things along. So let us hope that as we go forward, we will have more things to talk about and share in terms of the successes of phase four, five and beyond. It would uh, be great if I had to apologize on a future yeah. episode. <laughs> Oh, Frankie's a genius. I was too stupid to understand. Yeah, we, that would we, be great. It was a sleight of hand. We didn't notice. We hadn't noticed. I don't oh, think that's going to be the case. It all makes sense now. Yeah, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 12 years from now. He's so, hoping. <laughs> be, with us, be with us next week for the next thrilling episode dun, of dun, Help dun. the Damn Story. <laughs> all right, everybody. Okay. Be cool. Take care, Chris. Peace. Happy summer.